0: And now for our storytelling interview. My name is David Franer. I'm here with Susan Lang. And this is the portion of True Tales Live where we have a kind of informal, beside, behind the scenes conversation with one, sometimes two of our storytellers. And we're here with you Good night, Susan, so welcome. Um, Not everyone wants to be a storyteller, but there is something that draws us to stories. I happen to think that storytelling is a particularly important, uh, somewhat lost art that's returning. What drew you to storytelling in the first place or what draws you to it?
1: It's it's a great question. I do believe that stories, Influence us, our lives, and um, the myths they continue through stories, creation stories, influence mm. our our connection to spirituality, and to the environment around us. Um, I'm typically I'm more shy than to be able to sit up here and tell a story. So tonight Welcome was to a the little club. bit not my uh, my character, so to speak. But I think in telling the story there is inspiration, it carries, it carries an energy and so that's what people capture and, yeah. and it's affecting and I've been affected by many stories. Obviously I live by stories and my own myths, my own you know stories so, and I think it was just uh, something that just stepping out and doing something to, to share a story of something that I really, really believe was um, a mystical experience mm-hmm. that had happened to me and to really share that.
0: Was storytelling something that was part of your family growing up or something that took place in school or is it something really you developed pretty much on your own?
1: Yeah, you know I think everybody has stories, every family has their stories obviously, but not real storytellers per se, except when somebody, like when my dad when he gets going on a story, right now he really loves to tell the stories of how he was raised and the way he lived and he's 92 and so the world that he lived is so different than, than what we know now so it, I love his stories, I love hearing his stories um, but I, I was married for, for nine years, i married to an Irishman and stories, <laughs> music, <laughs> stories, you bet, yeah it was my first Irish wedding, you know, and everybody has, you bring a party piece it's called and everybody brings a story or a song, or a poem, or a little piece that they can do for you. So they've learned to be with and entertain each other without TV or or any of these devices that we have now, so it's a lovely tradition. So
0: you started out as, uh, you described yourself as a holistic nurse. Mm. What drew you to nursing and where did the holistic part come in? It's very important to me, my wife's an acupuncturist, we both are deeply committed to the idea of holistic health so I'm quite interested in that. Yeah. How did you come to that?
1: Well, it's, it's uh, well, nothing for me in my life has ever been a straight line. So there aren't any straight lines. <laughs> I would lines. say, you know, I don't know too many people I say hey, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to do this. Um, I really wanted to be an artist, is what I wanted to do and go to school for. But I also loved science and so my dad basically said no way for art, Nick's A. So you can go to study medicine, you can do that. So I did that for three years and then I took a break and then I decided to go into nursing instead of doctoring and um, it was something that I could do and I Mm. turned out that I loved it I didn't realize it and then psychiatric nursing I ended up doing that because when i applied for jobs in the southern new hampshire for the local hospitals they weren't hiring new grads and so it was it was a very awkward it was this in between place where you don't have the experience and yet you have the degree and nobody wants to hire you cuz they don't have preceptor programs they can't you know bring you up to speed and all that so my entry level job was a psychiatric nurse and wow. so so one thing you know would lead to the next so it wasn't something that I really started out but then while I was in nursing school I got introduced to therapeutic touch and I watched a woman who was a doctor of um, integrated medicine basically and she had taught other nurses how to run your hands over someone's body so that you can actually eliminate pain and do it in a way that when she did her research that people needed less pain medication and they healed faster and so it was just simply just running your hands over somebody's body and so that was the beginning for me it was like I want to know what this is right so I continued with my schooling I there was a place down in Boston, Watertown, called Interface. I think for a while. So I, I studied, then I did Reiki, oh, and then yeah. the shamanism, and then just all these different types of other ways of healing and different kinds of guided imagery and meditations. And so we we're, we're obviously we're more than our bodies, and so it's for me I I couldn't really enter into a room with a patient and just give them medication. It was it was just it was just not enough. You know, I needed to be able to sit and to talk and to really be with, be with people holistically. I knew that about myself. So I mean, so that's why I call it holistic nursing. There actually is a degree, a title for holistic nursing. There is? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, it, so it is recognized. Wow. Yeah. And you know, know Reiki is recognized <coughs> in the hospital. Right. You're, oh, right. The practice of acupuncture, right. you find that right. everywhere. So that's it's, it's wonderful to see it. It used to be quackery, and then it used to be fringe, and then it used to be complementary, and, and now now it's really they're calling it integrated medicine because it's right in the hospitals. You can go to a lot of, of hospitals, especially hospitals that treat people for cancer. They're they're more open to a lot of other modalities, and so you can find a lot of these other things, you know, mixed in. So. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> not so long ago I had my left hip replaced. Oh, you did at Portsmouth Regional Hospital, and oh. one of the things that they offer is Reiki treatments,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and
0: it was magnificent. It is women. lovely. Yeah. It, it is was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I was just sailing.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Now you founded this organization called the Alliance for Art Healing, and. Adventure. That's right. <laughs> which reminds me of a store that my wife and I came across on the road between Amherst and Northampton, Massachusetts, called Pet Food and Soda City. <laughs> and we couldn't figure out the connection between pet food and soda. And explain to us the connection between art and healing and adventure. <laughs> yes.
1: and how you came to well, it's interesting. I don't separate them anymore, for sure. But the um, I had. Taking care of my mom for three and a half years at home and then when she died I decided to take a trip and I went to Nepal and while I was in wow. Nepal I was hiking for eighteen days we visited all the monasteries and there were ceremonies all sorts of you know fascinating things going on and one of them the, the um, there was a man and his wife that was on the trip and they really wanted to see me get into the next part of my life. They really just took to me and became friends with me. And um, John said to me one day, he goes, I want you to dream big and I want you to I want you to start a business. And he said, no, I'm going to help you. And, I, and he said, no, I don't know what you're going to call it, but think about it. And I said, well, geez, I wouldn't know what to call it. I, I, I love art. I love the healing. I, I love the adventure. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, what do you just do? I can't just do one thing and so that's really sort of how it came out of with this conversation and so I have an art gallery and I have, um, I have my brother Peter who's an artist so I have some of his and some other people's art and I also have Japanese brush painting I'm a, a brush painter uh, ink it's Zen meditation in ink right, is right. how I had learned it and so I have I have a whole wall dedicated that's a nice big space and then I'm doing the spirited and sacred jewelry in in the middle room and then I have two what I call two feel-good rooms one is for Lomi Lomi which is what I also practice and Reiki for for other people that want to come and I have other teachers coming in and then I organize uh, retreats for for Maui Um, not going to Ecuador haven't gone to Ecuador in a while it was pretty dangerous for a while, so it didn't really warrant the risk, and now um, I'm working with a, an elder group called, um, and and elders in the good sense of elders, meaning the the right. wising the wise. up ones, so yes. to speak, I guess. Um, it's Conscious Elder Network, and I'm going to be organizing retreats for them, and then another life planning network, and then um, mother daughter retreats, something that's a little little different, and. um spend as much time as I can on Maui. (laughs) 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 I tend to go places and not come back but I said I went to South America, I stayed for two months, I gave up my job, I gave up my relationship, I gave up everything, everybody's calling, are you going to come home? I said, I don't know, I think I'm going to stay for two more weeks. So you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back. (laughs) So yeah, so it was just inspiration and my passions and I'm so blessed, I'm You know, it's the kind of life you you would want everyone to be able to live: is to do the things that you love to do and have that support you, and support other people. And so it's it's been um, a wonderful journey these last; it'll be going into five years. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Now it's called the Alliance. So is there is it a membership organization? Well,
1: not yet. That is something that I've talked about, but it's. Collaboration with other organizations, uh, uh. other teachers, other masters in their, their fields. So that's how the, the alliance. And aha sounds pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's told me I can't use it, so it's aha moments, even.
0: Well, that was a pretty amazing story about being saved by the whales. And did you also say you were a prisoner?
1: First I was stream? held hostage. Held hostage by the Schwa, The very first time I ever went to Ecuador.
0: Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that part of your story, if you're so willing. Yeah,
1: that was that was a really wild adventure. Um, the you know, how much time do we have? <laughs> about really, five minutes. But well, okay, well three. three. That, well there's a, there's a lot of um, dynamics that went into why that happened, but there was um, there was a, a couple that had lived in Italy, and the man that organized the group had was friends with them and um, th- this one fellow named Ricardo who was the, the he had made a knife for this the group leader and he said to he, and John said to to Ricardo he said so don't give it to me here he said, "Bring it to Ecuador and give it to me in the jungle and so crowd is okay fine so we are all there and then all of the, we don't even know what's really going on but um, our group leader has a an affair with this man's wife and it's very obvious during this time you know they're grabbing each other I mean, it was just really it was like it was just so like oh my god what's going on and during a healing ceremony the the night before you know at night they only do the ayahuasca at night and the shaman who gives you a dose takes a dose for every person he gives a dose to. So if there's ten people, he's taken ten doses, and he's totally tuned into you, and, and can really work with the medicine. And so they never work without it. So then, um, oh, okay. So the group leader insists the following day that that the Tum Guam was the shaman work on this woman without the medicine and he said no he wouldn't do it and he kept insisting he did so finally he agreed to do it and he was doing this extraction he was sucking something from her and he keeled over and, and he, he well we thought he was dead and then all of a sudden so we find out well, well as a nurse and another person said, well, looks like he's had a stroke so we tell the group leaders and then they negotiate to they circled the hut. They were they were not going to let us go. And these are the, the headhunters. So we are in this hut and we're not going anywhere. And so they said, if you want to take our father to the hospital, then you have to leave that one, that one, that one, and that one have to stay here. And that's what they did. And they held us hostage for that day until we did the, their father didn't come back from the hospital, but the reports came back that he was doing better. So they released us to the to the. <laughs>
0: holy cow
1: yeah yeah it was, it was pretty intense because you know when they're rifling through all of my things and taking I didn't care what they wanted to have right. they wanted my camera I'm my camera I didn't wow. really yeah it was it was pretty wild yeah
0: well thank you very much Susan <laughs> we really appreciate taking this time to have a conversation behind the scenes of True Tales 5 um, that brings us to the end of our program again we want to thank uh, Our True Tales Live crew, the Portsmouth Public Media TV staff, uh, our storytellers, and of course, our audience. There aren't any tales to tell, true or otherwise, without our audience, for which we're deeply appreciative. Next month's uh, theme is, What is Home? And uh, we hope you'll join us at that time. Thanks so much. True Tales Live on PPM-TV is made possible through the generous support of Artists Collaborative Theatre of New England, Act One, presenting outstanding performances of Stories with Heart at the West End Studio Theatre in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For further information, contact 603-300-2986 or on the web at act1nh.org. With additional support from Pat Spaulding, Who really wants to know, hey, what's your story?